You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I want to talk about the things that are good to start off the show. Let's just get them out of the way, okay? Fine. All right. I'm really happy that when... So what are we going to do with the other 29 minutes of the show? When Mancata started to slide back to getting some strikeouts and the average was dropping and the correction was happening over the last week, it didn't continue the slide. He... He leveled out again, hitting at least over 300. He's still contributing it to the team. He still looks very good. I'm happy with him. All right. When Aloy Jimenez got on the road, he did something that I was hoping to see him do, and that is have even better at bats, look even more into things. Had a two-run, two-home run game against uh, yes, the Yankees. Yes. In in the rain. So maybe he's like a mutter. I have no idea. Okay, maybe he just loves bad weather. I have have no idea. But one theory, or at least something that I've heard about Aloy, is that his home life has not been the best living in Chicago. Interesting. We met a a guy when we were at Sox Fest. Big fan came over, got a Sox in the Basement hat. And he lives in the same building as Aloy Jimenez. The only reason I noticed is because he exchanged cell phone information with me because he wanted to meet up later on. I was like, yeah, cool, man. And I just swapped cell information with him. Okay. And then I never heard from him again. Interesting. Well, and yeah. he starts sending me text messages about a week or so ago telling me he thinks Aloy lives in his building. And then he writes me maybe about two days later and he goes, yeah, he's living here. Now I know why he's doing bad. The HVAC system that's controlling the climate inside of the building okay. is broken. And he's like, all of us have been complaining to management for at least the last month. Nobody's getting any sleep. You go to bed, and all of a sudden it shoots up, and it's 90 degrees inside of your <laughs> your place, and you get up, and you're sweating, and you have to adjust it. Then you wake back up, and it's 45. Oh, my God. So he's like, if everybody's walking around like a zombie in the hallway, if it's happening to me, and it's happening to my neighbor, and it's happening to the girl upstairs, it's happening to Aloy. See what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I'm like, I don't even know if this guy's living with him. I don't even know if this is true. I mean, you got to kind of take that with a right, very exactly. large pile of Morton's. Remember that? Remember that salt heap they used to keep on like 67th and Cicero? Right. You need a you need a pile of salt that big. Okay. To but take then it he with. goes on the road. And he starts raking. And he starts raking because he's sleeping in a hotel. And I'm like, maybe there's something to this. Now, Could here, be. here's my concern. If I, a simple podcaster in his basement in Evergreen Park on the south side of Chicago can learn that your biggest prospect that's come up in decades. It's not even their prospect. They got right. him from the Cubs. But he's having, he's having a problem sleeping and it's affecting his performance. If I can find this out, <sighs> look, whose job is this on the White Sox to find this look, out? Chris, because you, they should already, be fired. Chris, we've already, no, first of all, nobody ever gets fired on the White Sox. Number one, let's get that out of the way. Number two, We've been over this. Don't don't you remember? We were the guys on Twitter 
that ruined the Jack Peterson deal. Remember that? No, it's no, not no, the it's team's fault. Fans. It's not it the team's us. fault. It's it the Sox us. fans' fault. Sox fans. We we're the it. we're the reason why they don't. You know, we're the reason why like they don't have the money, quote unquote, to go and sign. You know, certain big free agents. It's our fault because we don't show up to the park. All right. So, but here's here's the other thing now. Then you have Tim Anderson raking. Breaking, Dave. Right. Uh, the amount of grief we gave Tim Anderson last year, and I kept sitting there saying, I want him to prove me wrong, at least through the first half of the first month of the season. Raking. Well, he's doing it with the bat. He's okay. willing. He's well, Hold on. He's willing the team to victories because they have at least matched your six-win total that you said at the beginning of the year they would have for April. At the midway point. Yeah, but that doesn't count. Of some, of the, some, of those, some of those wins came in March. That doesn't count. <laughs> Because of Tim Anderson's hitting, okay? Tim Anderson is just just killing the ball. Here's the problem. Eventually, he's not going to be hitting over 400. Right, and how many games is he going to cost you with his glove? And we're going to lose games because he's not going to be able to save you with his bat, and then you run into the glove, and that gets me to exactly what Ricky Renteria said on Monday night that made me just pound my head off the, the table in front of me while I was reading it on my phone. Tim Anderson is a five-tool player, according to Ricky Renteria. Oh, my God. Now... Here's my problem. Omar Vizquel is coming. Omar Vizquel is coming. Omar Vizquel is coming. It's okay for fans to get overexcited. It's okay for fans to not evaluate players the way that they probably should be evaluated because they're fans and they love their team and they want them to be good. Look, it's totally fine for those that are Daniel Polka fans. Went out and got Daniel Polka jerseys to still believe Daniel Polka is going to be a good player. It's not realistic. He's more than he's more than likely Nicky Delmonico a year later, where he showed flashes and it was exciting, but it's a new year and not everything's working out for him. Like last year he would go 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts, get to extra innings with a ninth inning, and hit a home run, be the hero, and we'd all celebrate a guy who actually went, you know, one for five in a game with a couple of strikeouts, but had a big moment. But that's not happening this year. I would like to talk about Polka later. Okay, we're gonna get into that. No, but when the manager over when the manager misevalu what is it called? Misevaluating or overevaluates yes. or overvalues the the players. Any one of those words will work. Yeah. You got a problem. That's why I'm like I'm over here like Omar Vizquel is coming. Omar Vizquel is coming. Like it's going to happen. So that's good. They'll screw it up. He'll get hired away by another team because he won't be ready to be a major league manager yet. (laughs) Like, like Tito Francona. He was in our system. Oh man. Why you gotta do, why you gotta do that? We decided we didn't need him. My issue is he believes in these players and they're not what he believes them to be. He sucked into the excitement a little too much, I think, personally. I don't think this is trying to build up Tim Anderson's confidence. Somebody might say, oh, he's trying to make him feel better. But come on. he Listen, there's five tools. If you don't know what the five tools are in a five-tool player, it's hitting, it's power, it's speed, it's fielding, and it's throwing. You can do three of those. You could argue that maybe, like some people might say, well, he actually feels very good, but he makes bad throws, or he 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 throws very good, but he he makes bad plays. But I've seen both so far with his errors this year, which are second amongst all of Major League Baseball so far amongst qualifying players. Yeah, leading the league in as far as shortstops are concerned in errors. With, right. uh, he's up to four now. Oh, right? And it should be five, because remember... And we, he should got, be five, because be five. Kansas we're, City scorekeeper keeping, was nice to we're him. We're keeping a real track of his actual errors. He's actually at five. Right, no. His, so, so his fielding second? percentage is 30th out of 31 qualifying shortstops in Major League Baseball. His, his range factor, which is a way of trying to say, okay, 
as a shortstop, how much ground does he cover? How much of an influence does he have over the play sitting at that position? Is 17th out of those 31 qualifying. So he's sitting dead center in the middle as an average shortstop. So range factor wise, he's an average shortstop. And we don't. And we talked about this with not to interrupt. But we talked about this with Engel anyway. I mean, how much how much stock do you really put into those rangy? Okay. you know, fantasy. You're right. You're right. Stats, but I'm just I want to make know? sure I address it because you, you're going to get people who are going to like certain stats. Uh, there, sure, sure, there, sure. Okay. There are sabermetric stats that will show how many runs he either gives his team or loses his team. He is currently on pace to lose his team 29 runs oh, with boy. his defense this year. Okay. So we said it. If he rakes at the plate, he's a part of the team. I don't know if he's a part of the team. It's short. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But he's a part of the team. So I'm still very happy with what Tim Anderson is bringing right now because compared to the other crap that's on the field, he's spectacular. And he has the he still has the ability at his young age to get better. I mean, Ron Kittle said it on the show. You can improve defensive players. Guys can get better defensively. Guys can get better at fielding their positions. So that could happen. He may also be best suited for someplace else. He may also just be a guy that we have to deal with a hole at short, but he hits 300 every year. You take that. If he hit around 300 every year and he knocked out 30 home runs and stole 30 to 40 bases, you'd be like, you know what? He's he's an average defender at best. But, but he's winning he you games you, with the bat, right? He's winning you games. With he'll the bat. lose you games at the glove, but he'll win you games at the okay. bat. So you would think it but would all balance out if the guy is going to hit three hundred every call year. Call him a five tool. No, player. no, 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 no. He's don't. not. He is a five tool player. He is not. And don't tell me that he was a five tool player and he's having a bad year because if you look up those same stats, he hasn't done well since he's really been up here. Yoan Mankata is more of a five tool player than Tim Anderson yes, is. He's agreed. A agreed. Yes, agreed. Because even though he's made a few errors at third base, he's still getting used to a position that he hasn't played now. He's in only made years. he's only made two errors and at third base, and really he's made some really nice plays. plays. Yes, my, I agree my with you. Made this, my dad made this really interesting analogy. We were sitting at the game. He go, you know, he used to play stratomatic baseball. Now, older baseball fans or kids that grew up with dads who just loved baseball. Played Stratomatic baseball. I remember Stratomatic. Okay, remember you remember Stratomatic. Yeah, right? I, I there remember was a Stratomatic that. club at Brother Rice. We actually like started a club at Brother Rice High School where we played Stratomatic baseball, and you would get the whole. We would have a draft and draft players off of the major league rosters to make our own Stratomatic teams and play each other. It's a dice game. It, it, it takes into account the stats. It's basically the original sabermetrics. Before there was sabermetrics, the way that some people would compare baseball players to each other was look at his Stratomatic card. Is it a good stratomatic card or is it a bad one? That's what does right. he really bring to a guy? Is That's that right. luck or not? Look at a stratomatic baseball card. Well, my father's sitting there and he's looking at the team and they used to like rate your your fielders. You know, a one is like a just a superstar fielder, okay? A two is a very above average fielder. Okay, a three is an average fielder, a four is a terrible fielder. He's like, we're a first base three, we're a second base four, we're a shortstop four, we're a third base between a three and a four, we'll see how his season ends up, we're a right field four, we're in a center field four, and we're a left field four, and our catcher could be a three. Wait, you're talking about this team, and this he's team talking, right now, your dad is he's talking saying. in stratomatic looking at this numbers. team, stratomatic okay. numbers, he's like, you basically, you pointing out, basically pointing out, this team is terrible defensively. This team is yes. terrible defensively. Yes, it is. Yes, Anybody it is. who tries to defend the defense of this team it needs to have their head examined. Okay, Polka can't field and right field very well. He does have a pretty good arm. I saw him, saw him make a really good throw of the plate the other day. Leary Garcia is making terrible mistakes out in the outfield. And for every time that he makes a good play, there's a play where he gets the ball and has to wait an extra three seconds to figure out where he wants to throw it. When you teach little leaguers, 
if the ball comes to you, know what you're going to do before it gets to you. You know, and you got you got Eloy out there who's learning. Eloy is learning, but I mean, I mean but there again, was always this knock about him. You bring up his minor league stats. The knock was always his defense. He's yeah. a little aloof when it comes to fielding the ball. Okay, he's not he's not going to be the guy that's going to come at 110 percent coming in and diving for the baseball. That's not what he is. No, and it's no. something that clearly they were trying to teach him in the minors that they have not fi- he's not figured out. So you're you're not getting going to get great defense in left field from Aloy Jimenez. He's not here for that. So I know that maybe to Ricky compared to the other guys on the team, Tim Anderson's a five tool player. <laughs> compared compared to the rest of the White Sox, you could make an argument that Tim Anderson is a five tool player if that's the standard you're holding them to. But that's not what they are, and he needs to learn, Dave. How to evaluate talent on a level with the other teams that he has to play. Because right now he's not doing it. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. So I'm reading this article. Um, it's written by a very angry gentleman, much like myself, about how things are going with the White Sox. And and he the, the, the crux of the article is, why are certain guys still playing? And... You only have really four or five guys on this team that are going to be here when the team is good. Now, the reason why this makes me furious, Chris, is because this is exactly where you were last year. This is exactly where you were. You had four guys maybe on this team. We talked about it. You're like, yeah, these guys are all bums, but you want to watch these four guys because these are four guys that are going to be there when this team is good. And here we are. We still have four guys that we're watching this season. And and I would have liked to think that this team would have given you given us a little bit more at this point of the rebuild. As far as, you know, watching only, well, you know, only let's just let's watch a game to see what Anderson does or let's watch a game to see what Mancata does. It needs to be better. First of all, uh before we continue cuz I I I am with you on this. I did look up while you were talking. Tim Anderson compared to all the White Sox players? Sure. Still sucks. Still not a five tool player. Wait, <laughs> still, wait. still only Yomer Sanchez is worse at defense right now in the early part of the season. All right. Look, you're right. Ryan Cordell should never have been sent down. No. And no, because okay, go ahead. And then I'll and then we'll get into the right field issue. But well, go he, ahead. He should go never have been sent down because I don't know why you're married to some of these players. Why are you married to Daniel Polka? You're not married to him. You picked him up off of waivers and he was a cast off from the, from the Twins organization who gave you some pop and gave you some fun. But if he's not earning his spot on the team, why does he get three months? I don't, I don't get that. Cordell came up and, and showed something. He showed something. He showed enough in spring training to be the first guy that they brought up when they needed somebody coming out of the box because they had injuries. He comes up He in, in the limited amount of time that he's given by his manager, who, again, I think is not evaluating the team. Rick Hahn told us told us personally at SoxFest mm. in front of a crowd yes. that Ricky makes the decisions. Now, I so, don't know if I believe it, but that's what he told people with Ricky Renteria sitting there next so, to him. So right okay? now. So if Ricky Renteria evaluates his team and says, I don't need Ryan Cordell, maybe Ricky Renteria, it's time for you to go. Because th- here's the problem. Ryan Cordell goes back down to the minors in the AAA, right? Yes. And goes five for five and hits for the cycle. It's like almost like, I can't believe you guys wouldn't let me play for the last two weeks when I was up there. And in the rare moments where I did get to play, I did well. And then you sent me down and I actually get to play and I pr- I show everybody I can hit and I'm ready to play. Can't, okay. He's not going to be a star, but why Why not give him a shot? Why isn't Danny Mendick up here? If you don't like Jose Rondon, but you still think Yomer Sanchez should be your utility infielder, then 
and you know Nick Vandergoal is coming up at the beginning of next year or very shortly after the beginning of next year because that's your plan. Why isn't this kid Danny Mendick who impressed you in spring training, why isn't he up here getting a chance at second base? Because the guy you're trotting out there every night at second base sucks at defense, sucks at hitting, can't make decisions, and he's so screwed up in his head. He's got relay throws coming in where he's bobbling the ball and letting guys advance extra bases in games. Right. And that's not even being brought up because the camera barely catches it, but every time I see a throw coming in, it's bouncing off his damn glove. So, so, and and again, you, just, to, just to kind of put this in perspective, the right field thing first. Uh, hey, Paul Kamaniacs, you are right now, your guy, your guy is sitting at 0-29. He is batting 0-29 for 29 to start the season. Dude has not even gotten a hit yet. And the defense he's playing out in right field is awful. Well, he, has, straight he up has no errors. Awful. He has no errors. No, but there are But his there range are lots factor of, is uh, under two. No, there are lots of plays, Chris, that should have been, that right, should have been made out there because he can't get to them. And he's diving after balls when he should be pulling up to turn it. Now he's turning singles into triples. So why? Why, 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 why do we keep rolling him out there? I have the same question about Yolmer Sanchez. Yes, Yolmer is a fun person. Yes, Yolmer gives good interviews. Yes, Yolmer dumps the Gatorade. I'm sure Yolmer is a Oh, he a was a blast at Soxfest, man. It was a yeah. fun symposium. But, but at some point, you have to be like, dude, this guy cannot play baseball. And we Not have as an everyday see, player. No, and we have to see, we have to see, is there anybody... Is there anybody else that we could at least fill in at second base until Madrigal gets up here? We know, Chris, there are people that could come up in your system right now and contribute in right field more than Daniel Polka is. And I, and I don't. I don't know it. why they're there. Who are you? Who are you? You know? Who are you? Blo- you know? What are you trying to do by not at least seeing what you have in these guys? Well, that's what bothers me here. If you were so against, like. First of all, the shell shock after not getting Machado is inexcusable because there were still players to be had and you sat back and did nothing. You just, you just basically just took defeat. You, you, you lost, you know what you were? You know who Rick Hahn was? Mm. You watch Game of Thrones? I do not. Okay. Well, for those who watch Game of Thrones, Rick Hahn got reeked. Okay. The, the, the character that's in there, Theon Greyjoy, who loses his manhood and then loses his, loses his will. That's what happened. Rick Hahn was reek that week. Okay. He was afraid to do anything. He, he let second basemen that were out there that aren't great second basemen, but are guys that were better than what Serviceable you had for Yomer that he could have gotten for one or two year deals. He let them just go to other teams. Okay. I mean, Marwan Gonzalez went to your own division and so did uh, uh, Josh Harrison. He went to your own division to two teams. One of which that is going to most likely win the division because the Indians are just everything. Yeah, going the Indians wrong are falling apart. So the Twins yeah. are going to win most likely with Marwan Gonzalez, and then a team that's just started their rebuild, just started their rebuild in that Detroit. Would be Detroit, and yeah, they, they're like, but we don't have a second baseman, so we're going to get a second baseman. See what I'm saying? And then you get Adam Jones, who everybody's like, well, he can't do anything, and the guy's killing the ball down in Arizona right now. If you felt like, well, we don't want anybody to be blocked, but then you're also telling me that Lewis Robert. We're going to evaluate after the season. That's what Rick Hahn said this week. We're going to evaluate after the season where he should be in our minor league system. Same thing with Madrigal. Okay, Nick Madrigal. Okay, so these guys I are mean, coming up this year. You and also, you don't- also like Basabe. Right. Uh, you know, he's another guy. Like, he's tearing the cover. Of the ball. He, He's been tearing the cover off the ball down there. You probably... You're not going to see him this year because it's the same line. They're going to be like, well, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see where we're at. And that's what bothers me. You were either thinking to yourself, we're going to give some of these guys a chance to fight their way onto this team, and we don't want them blocked in the 2019 season. Or 
you weren't going to have them blocked because they didn't have a chance. And if they didn't have a chance and you thought Leary Garcia, John Jay, Daniel Polka, Yomer Sanchez, these guys that are out there right now that are not contributing to your team or barely contributing to your team, or I know Leary's that got a fairly good batting average, but his defense is suspect. Right now, if he didn't have so much other suck around him, you'd be sitting there saying he was the weak link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if that was your plan, you're bad at your job. You're bad at evaluating talent. Your major league baseball scouts are bad at evaluating talent that's available to you. You're, you're bad at your, somebody needs to go. You say it all the time and you're right. There is no accountability. No. But there should be some accountability. I mean, like in a perfect world, if there was accountability, it's very easy to figure this out. Either A, your scouts are bad at finding pitching or B, your guys in your minor league system are bad at developing pitching or C, Don Cooper's lost it and can't get guys to pitch at the major league level. But one of those three things are true. It's like, find the answer and remove the problem. But you can't tell me all of them are doing a good job. No. If, you, if your manager has an influence on your lineup and your pro scouting has an influence over who you bring in and your general manager is the guy who's deciding what the plan is long term, one of them screwed up. And, is, and continues to and screw be up. fired. This is the problem. It, it, Chris, 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 we have said, listen. There's their solution. What? Their solution to our anger to this week is instead of having three days of Sox Fest, reducing it to two. Because that way there'll be less chance for White Sox fans to get in. For something and to go less wrong, chance yes. for White Sox fans to walk in and cause trouble and be angry because they're going to be pissed after the season's over. This is how they this is how they treat us. This is how they treat their fan base. You know, somebody told me the other day, you're not a diehard fan because you're upset with the team. Are you serious? And I said, well, hold on a second. We're all diehard fans. Anybody that would put up with this and still be, have an interest in this team as a diehard fan, anybody, whether you're angry with the team or not angry with the team, you're a diehard because logic would tell you to go find something else to do. Play Parcheesi on Tuesday nights with your wife and your children. Hey, do man, it, don't knock it until you try do, it. Do Dungeons and Dragons like you do every, every couple of weeks. Do it every, every Saturday night. Hey, man, don't make knock it until you try it. Make that your Saturday night. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Start a podcast in your basement. Listen. Find something to do. But here's the thing. Your entertainment dollar your, and your time you're still spending with this team, even though this team has shown you time and time again that they're either incompetent or they just don't care. And it's frustrating. Like, I've tried to be the voice of reason and being happy. And you know what? There have been some good things that have happened this week with this team. I'm happy that there's been some progress. Like I said, like at the beginning of the show, Mancada, Anderson, uh, Jimenez, these... This is good stuff. Uh, Rodon had, had a, Rodon a, had a really night. nice yes. game. That's a good thing. The back end of your bullpen looks solid. There's yes, it does. Good. Yes, it but, does. But you're not even interested, it seems like, in re-signing Abreu. And he keeps telling you in the newspapers about how he wants to stay here forever. What, what's your plan at first base? Because I, I don't understand Please why don't he's tell me. A, Please don't tell me your plan is yonder Alonso. You see, that's what I'm saying. And, 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 and you're making poor decisions. You made poor decisions in your offseason. Take Machado and Harper out of it. You made poor decisions in your offseason if they weren't even involved. You weren't ready for this season. No. And, you, and, 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 and if you want to tell me it's a rebuild and you're trying out players, then start rotating some of these guys up here that are proven they should be on the team. I want to say congratulations to one of our Twitter followers, at Los Sox, out of Aurora, Illinois. I know where he lives because I'm shipping him a brand new Reynaldo Lopez autographed White Sox hat. Thanks to everybody who participated in our most recent contest, following the show, sharing the show, commenting, and rating the show. We will do another one of those very, very soon. 
Now all we need is for Ray Lopez to actually pitch well, and that prize will be worth a little bit more. Look, the Padres bring guys up and they're ready. And I'm not even talking about the Tatis thing. Forget the Tatis thing. It's, it, it happened and it's over, okay? Right. But look at the Padres. Denilson Lamette. I probably have screwed up his name, but I don't cover their team. Here's a pitcher that comes up last year. He pitches real well for them, and he hurts himself. He goes and he gets surgery, much like my, Michael Kopech. They have Chris Paddock down there. He's like the 62nd highest rated uh, pitcher right now. I, something like that. He was in the 60s or 70s or something like that in terms of major league prospects in the pipeline. For the White Sox, you wouldn't be anywhere close to sniffing the major leagues because you're so far down on the MLB pipeline list. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Panic earns his job in spring training, pitches well, makes the team. Right. Okay? There's excitement. They're trying. They're playing. They grab a mixture of veterans and bring them in. They don't worry about the fact that they have six or seven outfielders because they really do. You can sit there and you can list all the outfielders that were at one point in their system. And you know what they do? When a guy doesn't hang in there, they get rid of him and bring up the next guy. Yeah. That's a rebuild that's running properly. Their philosophy with their players is to bring them up when they are ready. And if a guy comes up and can't hack it into minor majors, go back down and look run at, your way back up at, again. As I said, look at what the look at what the twins are doing. The twin and the twins have been doing it for decades and decades and decades now. Why can't we be like the twins? Why can't we be like the twins? Oh, the twins this, the twins that. Look at always what the twins do. Dude, they're they're eight they're eight hours north of you. Okay, the model is there. If I'm in the if I'm in charge of the White Sox, and I'm sitting around going, man, God, look at these Minnesota Twins. These you know, gosh darn it, these Minnesota Twins, these pesky Twins. They get to us every year, and their rebuild is going better than ours. You know why can't we be like that? You know what the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to fire a bunch of people in my front office that aren't doing their jobs, and I'm going to start plucking people either who work for the Twins or who used to work for the Twins, and I'm going to be like, know. and I'm going to be like, hey, what are they paying you? I'll I'll, I'll increase it by twenty. Well, you know where you go? You go to the Rays. Who, oh, there's who another the, team. Who yeah. Since, who since the year 2000? Let's just take a look at the Rays and what they've done with manager turnover and Joe Madden. They've Joe Madden rebuilt. Goes and they've, they've, re- rebuilt they've rebuilt and, rebuilt and, rebuilt and won, and, and then they've rebuilt right. and then won again, and they've rebuilt again, and now they're winning again. And they have no fan support. No. they got a big, empty stadium. They have a big, empty stadium, and yet they still want to win. It's, ama- it's amazing, They isn't still want to win. It's amazing. The White Sox are currently listed in the top five most profitable teams, according to Forbes magazine that came out in the last week. They were in the top five most profitable teams in Major League Baseball last year. And they rated in the top half of Major League teams in worth, in net worth, as, See, a, as a ball club. The, and then you sit there and you cry poor to me. And then you sit there and you, you, you say the things that you say and you run the organization the way that you do. But here's the thing. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't care. He's making money. He's making money. He's yes. making money on a loser, so why care? I mean, we've said this before. Why would you walk into it? Why would you want to even go through the stress of life where you have to walk in and fire people and hire new people? Jesus, I made $74 million next year. All my, all my partners are happy. Trust me. He goes into a meeting every, every month, and those guys sit down and say, Jerry, I want my money. Huh, right. Jerry, this is my investment. I could give a crap if this team wins or loses. So these are just a a boardroom of businessmen who are like, man, let's have a, we should have a party. Let's all go out and get some steaks. 
Okay, get some girls. We just made $74 million. But here's Who the thing, though. But, 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 here's, but here's the thing, though. You, do you, I forget the name of the book that you uh, the quoted. The scorecasting book. The scorecasting book. Cited the White Sox specifically as a team that if they spent more money, they would make more oh, money. No, he's, he's, totally by, satisfied. By percentage. he's totally satisfied with making what he's making because it's safe. When in reality, he could, he could actually be one of the top earning and, and one of the most valuable. I mean, he's a major market team. He could be one of the most valuable and top earning teams in Major League Baseball. Yeah, year you, could in be, year you could be the Mets or you could be the. But he doesn't want to be that. Yeah. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want to be that because he's safe and he's happy and it's an investment and this is an investment and that's all he cares about. It's an investment. I mean, I mean, seriously, in the end, when you're an old man, if somebody sat there and told you you can go through a lot of heartache and headache and fire guys and, and do all this stuff, or you can just sit back and continue to make $74 million a year in your one company while you got another, another sports franchise that's making money too because that place sells out all the time and the team is terrible and going nowhere either. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and so you, why would you do it? At this age, why would you do it? Why would you do it? And so this is where we're at. We can yell all we want to about him, but it's not like he's going to wake up one morning and have this change of heart as to how things are so, running in the so organization. Then here's, so then here's the, the then here's the thing: if you're going to, if you're going to take that approach to where your business is making you enough money that you're happy about it, right. okay. So you're if happy. you're gonna if you're gonna take that approach, then then here's the thing: don't blame the fans. Stop that. He doesn't do that, though. It's the guys underneath him that are doing it. Well, but it's... The guys again, underneath him are doing it because if they blame the fans and they... If they if they, look... And but if it you, all starts from the top, work, Chris. But if you it all starts a, from the top. If you work for a man like that and you're secure in your longtime job in Major League Baseball, because I bet you right now, if you sit down and you look at guys that work in sports field, they don't have long lifespans. You don't stay at the same team for 30 years. See what I'm saying? It's not like working for like county or city government. Yeah, you, do if you, you do if you work for the White but, Sox. But it's not what it's normally like. But everybody loves security, Dave. Everybody loves security, and if keeping things secure is making sure that nobody, no other rising star within your organization takes your job away, and you have scapegoats like fans or things that don't go right or where the Cubs are the problem oh or anything like God, that, I if love you're able this. to walk in and tell that owner that these are what the real problems are and it's not me, and he's willing to buy it because he doesn't want to have the trouble and he likes your jokes and he gets along with you at the luncheons, that's what you do. Yeah. I, I, know that that's, I know that that's hard to hear, but that's what you do. And that's what this team is. This team is a team that makes money. It's got an owner that's like, hey, I make money. Guys, tell me what I want to hear. I'm he's, obliv he's oblivious right. to the, what the real problems I actually are. I sit in my are. office every day with all this giant memorabilia, and everybody calls me one of the greatest owners in history. Oh, don't even get me started on but that. That's, but that's what they do. Okay, I, I, I own two teams. I've had wealth. I've had a good life. Everything has gone very well for me. I've got my World Series trophy I can go look at whenever I want to go look at it. And these guys tell me everything's going to be fine. And when they come in and they tell me what's going on, they make sense to me and it's not worth arguing. Unless Jerry, I, ugh, you, just, you, just, you just pitched a button. You just pushed a button. It's because, not worth listen, arguing. Unless you could take that greatest owner crap, forget that. Because unless Jerry Reinsdorf, sent a Jedi mind trick <laughs> to the Portland Trailblazers organization back in 1986 or 84, whatever it was, to take Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan. You, he does not get to wear that badge of honor. We wouldn't okay? have any of those championships with the Bulls. He does never not, won anything. unless the he Bulls did that. The Bulls would have never won anything, okay? Right now, he would have been an owner that never won an NBA champion. Yeah, unless he okay. did that, unless right. he, unless he, or unless he planted some sort of mole right. in the Trailblazers organization, guess what, Jerry? You don't get to wear that badge of honor. For you. Because you got lucky. Here's a question for you. If Michael Jordan isn't drafted by the Chicago Bulls, would Jerry Reinsdorf still own the Chicago White Sox? 
And would it have been better for White Sox fans mm. if Michael Jordan would have never been a bull? That's an interesting question. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, because I was thinking right. about this this week. Would, would it have been better for White Sox fans that Michael Jordan was never a Chicago Bull? And if it were, and you White Sox are your favorite team, would you have been like, man, I really wish he would have never been a Chicago Bull? Because what might have happened, I'm, I think I'm following you on this, what might have happened was, even though like the Bulls were bad before Jordan, they were still making money. Right. And then maybe he would have said, well, I can't have two of these organizations. I'm going to sell one of them. That one He's of, always them, be- said he would get that rid of the White one Sox. of them being the White Sox. He, would, he always said he would get rid of the White Sox. That's an interesting question. So that is that is that a possibility? I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that this week. Could Michael Jordan be the reason for all of our problems? No, you know what? You know what, though? I'll take those six, I'll take those six championships. Yeah, it's I won't. fine. I don't want the six championships. Yeah. The basketball, pro basketball is so far down my list, I don't care. I would give them up in a heartbeat. This is like if I had a time machine. Do I go back and kill Hitler? Or do I make sure that Portland drafts Michael Jordan? Like, these are the questions I would have. You have one chance to go back in time. I'd have to think about that you at least some, for a few good minutes. You have some serious issues if you're asking yourself that question. People call me crazy about being mad about the White Sox. This guy, man. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? <laughs> I felt like it. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.